Welcome to Choosing Leadership, a podcast for high performers with big dreams and for leaders who know that they are more powerful than the level that they are currently playing. I am Sumit Gupta, your host and the founder CEO of the Deploy Yourself School of Leadership. I am here to help the best leaders get better and to help organizations massively improve their output and impact and at the same time eradicating workplace stress. Yes completely eradicating not just reducing completely eradicating i believe in creating a future and a work culture where people wait for mondays not fridays and get to do their most meaningful work the aim of this podcast is not to provide you more content but instead shift the context under which you operate this podcast is titled choosing leadership because that is what leadership is a choice In each episode I will celebrate leaders who have made such choices which are not always easy and comfortable but which has helped them get to where they are today. And let us celebrate the leader in us for choosing to move over our fears, for choosing to be motivated by something bigger than ourselves and for choosing to deal with every challenge that comes on the way. Let us celebrate you right now for stepping into the unknown and taking courageous action as those were the moments when you chose leadership at the end i will share how you can be our next guest on this podcast and with that let's get started john is transforming talent for the future of work as the co-founder and ceo which is one of the world's leading experiential learning and talent intelligence companies in the interview we talk about the valuable lessons one learns from b schools and what you cannot learn from b schools because most professors are academicians rather than businessmen and he shares how he understood the behavioral and organizational dynamics of people motivation and performance and how that led him to do what he is doing now hi john and welcome to the choosing leadership podcast hi sumit how are you i'm doing good it's good to have you here with us today And to begin with, can you start by sharing a little bit of who you are and what do you do today? Okay, so I'm John Sharian. I'm the co-founder and managing director and CEO of my company, Enparadip. I started this company several years back and we are one of the world's leading experiential learning players. So we have technology platforms that allow people to learn by going through different situations, scenarios and simulations. That's essentially what we do. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Can you share a bit more of your backstory and how did you get where you are today? Yeah, so I, my background was a computer science engineer and was working on one of the large IT companies in India. And while I was working there, I realized that a lot of people who are working in similar large companies, actual performance in the job and their productivity was pretty low. And but however, their potential to actually create a difference and create value for the organization was much higher than what their performance indicated and in those days i used to feel that you know a lot of times they're not able to perform because they're not able to understand what has to be done in a simple manner right and there was no one to really explain or simplify work concepts for them right so i also felt that something had to be done to address this problem and while i was working even though i had a great run at this company i had the decided to do more so i went forward to do my mba from the institute of management of the bar which is one of the good business schools in this part of the world right so i decided to go for an mba i got into ima 
uh, and at IMA, I started my the thinking around my entrepreneurship journey, right? So I wanted to become an entrepreneur. I was wondering what to do, looking for ideas during those two years on campus. Sought the help of a lot of different mentors from different areas. And at the same time, got together with one of my undergraduate batchmates. His name is Kumar Vidra. And he had a similar kind of thought process. So we both had that passion for simplifying complex concepts. We both went for MBAs during the same time. We both worked together in the same company. And we both felt that, okay, why don't we start something together? And that was basically the genesis of the idea that, okay, let's start a company. Let's start something together. And while on campus for one of the big business school festivals, we decided to make a simulation at IMA. And when the simulation came out, it was a big hit. We had students from various IIMs and IITs all around India coming for this musical festival. And using our software simulation, they were able to basically play a war game, right? So we had about 10 teams from some of India's best colleges. And we made them play an airline business where they had to set up routes, they had to buy aeroplanes, they had to configure them, they had to set prices, all different business decisions. And the event was very successful. And at the end of the event, we had our college professors of the company and saying that if these kind of tools can be monetized and there's demand for this in the education market, right? And we were anyway looking for a business idea to run a business on. So we thought, why not? Why don't we try this as a business idea? And that's where our journey started back in 2010. Thank you for sharing that. But even as you shared about like uh, the top business school and also like the big company, a lot of people have ideas. But it's totally something different because it takes a lot of courage to start a company of your own. Even um, I can assume with your B schools, you had wonderful offers, job offers waiting for you. So where did that courage or to start something on your own came from? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And that's actually a big challenge that a lot of us would face when we are in those days. Young, Polish, hungry, and you don't have courage. So I think two things define my path. One, I had done an internship also in a startup. And the father of the startup founder there was a very experienced entrepreneur. And so I was telling him that I wanted to start up just during my first year internship in campus. Uh, it was in Baroda, right? And uh, I think he gave a very good analogy. So I told him, you know what, I'm feeling quite nervous about starting up. I want to start up, but I'm feeling very nervous, right? So he said, what he said at that time was, John, if you were to walk on a very thin rod on the top of a very big building, or connecting two big buildings. Would you feel worried? I said, yes, of course. Right now, imagine the same rod was only one feet above the ground and you are walking on it. Then would you feel nervous? I said, no, I wouldn't feel nervous. He said, so that's the simple thing, right? Just start small. Don't think about starting huge and big when you have no idea how to walk that road. Walk on a road which is just one feet high and as you gain expertise, start raising the bar. Mm. So I think that was great advice and that was actually what we followed at that paradigm. Secondly, for me, this was like a one-way street, right? Because you have, like you said, you can get jobs. You can get offers where in the short term, it's far more lucrative. So for me, the way I saw this was, let's not even try and go in that direction. So I opted out of campus placements. And I said, this is a one-way street. There's no coming back. We are only going forward. So I think these two things put together helped me get that start and I think while starting out of campus is very difficult for a wide variety of reasons. You don't have experience, you don't have contacts, you don't have too much of corporate experience, right? So you don't really know how companies work as a business, right? You be for the tech, the delivery part, or the project management part while you work in IT. 
So these are the challenges when we started. Yeah. At the same time, the plus points is that you're probably not having a family to take care of. You don't have high expenses. You are young and hungry and foolish. And I think some of those attributes are great to start off with. Thank you for adding that. I think the right advice or the right analogy, as you said, at the right time can make a world of difference. So thank you for sharing that. And as you spoke about being a technologist and being a B, coming from a B school, you learned a lot about technology and business in the traditional sense. But what B school not prepare you for that you had to learn from your tough experiences as an entrepreneur? So, I mean, I think one B school, I'll maybe talk about what B school did help with. Sure. So, particularly because we were in a business where we were trying to help people learn complex concepts about business, about their functions, about organizations, customers. So I think B school really helped there because we got a good grounding in B school. A lot of our early simulations were around topics that we learned in B school. Like business acumen, how do you run a function? How do you drive a function? How do you drive functional metrics? So those are the early simulations. But what B school didn't really teach us at that time was how did companies really run at the ground? At a layman level, how do these businesses run? How do the sales teams work? How are the channels structured? That piece wasn't really so well taught in B schools because the people who teach in B schools also don't really know all of that. These schools are run by professors and professors come from an academic background. So we spend obviously 90, 95% of our time learning mobile business school case studies. And maybe 5% getting a grounding in how Dhanda happens. Mm-hmm. So that gap had to be filled in those several years. So we used to go on a lot of field visits. We used to go and go for, with salespeople in pharma, salespeople in FMCG, salespeople in different industries, observe how they sell, observe what are the challenges they face on the ground. We used to go for planned visits. So we used to do things like that to get a ground on understanding of how business actually is done on the ground. And that inside plus, I think a lot of work was required to understand the behavioral and the organizational dynamics part of it, right? Why do companies struggle to motivate people? Why do large teams struggle when they work? What is the importance of a vision, strategy, direction, clarity, goals? These are things that Obviously, in an intellectual setting, you really don't appreciate much. Yeah. So, in a business school case study or a classroom presentation, there's only so much you can mm-hmm. appreciate the challenges that companies face. Yeah. Intellectually, things look very much possible, right? It's yeah. when you try and in a large team execute them, that's when you realize the studies. That really work on the ground. Yeah, yeah. Thank you uh, for adding that. I think that's very practical. And as you said, there's something you can't learn from a book or from a, like a more intellectual setting. So as yeah. you spoke about large, can you share how large your team is right now? And how have you grown or changed as a person or, and also as a leader in different phases of that growth? Yeah, so we have gone through actually a lot of different phases at Paradigm. So we, uh, we started off with a learning company, built our early simulations on business and functional capability. Then once we reached a certain scale, we decided to get into the whole off-roll enablement space. So we had two more co-founders, Hanuman and Aru. Uh, so they joined a couple of years down the line. And then by about 2015, we set up an off-roll uh, staff kind of enablement business, which today we call Sharpsell. So that is a completely different platform. And on that platform, a company's distributors, a company's agents, third-party salespeople, all of them could be onboarded and then they could get content uh, and they can get tools to help them sell the company's offerings better, right? 
So it is a really good proposition. The scale in the off-road market in terms of number of headcount is 10 times more than non-roads. If a company has 5,000 people on its roads, it has about 50,000 agents off-road. Right? That's really how the numbers work. So we thought that's a big opportunity. And we uh, spent a lot of time in building platforms there and selling it to a lot of our existing customers as well. Right. And then towards about when the pandemic struck, obviously we had to go through our own challenges. Right. That's a long story. So I'm not going to talk about that right now. So post the pandemic, we then started hiring off. We hired out these two businesses into two. So two co-founders are now running Sharpson and two of us are in paradigm. Uh, so there were a lot of people dynamics that in terms of headcount where went up and down based on some of these aspects. Today, we are a team of about 50, 55 people on the road. Right. And we have one of the 150 people who are third party experts who work on building simulations on our platform and also delivering them to customers. So we have off-rolled a lot of work, right? We kept our on-roll team very lean. So we want to have a very lean, highly productive on-roll course. And we, depending on the customer need, the market demand, etc., then our third party collaborators are the ones who then build the kind of content and the simulations that we need for them. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I think that itself is quite innovative is in how do you spread your wings at the same time, keeping the key team lean and mean, as you said. Thank cool. you for thank you for sharing that. So given where you are today, can you share a bit about your vision for the future? Where are you headed? So we are building a global business over here, right? So what we're doing as in the capability space, it's really the big companies that have consistent budgets. So we have large companies which consistently spend on talent management. So we are targeting about 4,000 large global corporates across banking, financial services, technology, and consumer products. And these are companies which are spread across North America, Europe, Asia Pacific. A lot of them have big presence in India as well. And we are targeting multiple buying centers of these large corporates across the world. So we have sales teams and India, we have seen things in Singapore, Germany. We have our external partners in multiple parts of the world. And we are very focused on this large corporate space, enterprise space. And we are trying to increase our share of it, of the talent management budgets. And we are aiming to become a $100 million company in the next four or five years. Okay. Thank you for adding that. What, what are some of the key challenges? Is that more of a sales challenge to make those inroads? So how do you see the next few years? What are the biggest challenges? that the organization face, but also you face as a leader of the company. Yeah, so I will also talk about what is our proposition to these companies. Sure. We, so if you look at the whole space in terms of talent management solutions, you will find that uh, there are some companies which do skill mapping or competency profiling. There are mostly consulting companies which do this. There are another set of companies which do uh, assessments of people. There are a lot of training companies which provide facilitators and trainers. And there are large platforms like Udemy, Coursera, Skinsoft, etc. Now you find that all of these people are working on different parts of the elephant. To really solve for the talent management problem, as a large corporate, you need to know what skills people in different roles in your company need. You need to know where they stand on these skills today in terms of capability. And you need to have pathways to take them from where they stand to where they need to be productive. So it's a three-part platform, right? So our platform brings all these pieces together. And we are disrupting, therefore, a lot of ecosystem players, all of them were doing much smaller pieces of the overall puzzle, right? So we don't want to be one among the seven blind men who are working on an elephant. We want to be addressing the problem in a holistic way. So that's one thing that we're doing. 
the other thing that we are doing is to build if you look at the whole space of skill or capability no one really learns anything by watching a video or going through slides or going through theory you actually build skill when you get your hands dirty you get a live environment you make decisions you get feedback then and there you get some conceptual clarity from an expert who already has that clarity about how to do that space better so real skill building is a three part it's like a three part iteration you practice you get feedback you get clarity you practice you get feedback you get clarity now this approach has been completely missed by the entire learning learning world whether it's in school college corporate learning all platforms have just taken what is available offline in the form of content or books and just put it up online and that's the reason why all these platforms are really ineffective right because they don't really build skill what they do is to transfer knowledge to people and if you are a corporate learner you get some more knowledge when you go for a course and when you come back to work is where reality again hits and that is where you actually learn to build the skill right and that's you that's you that's your problem right no one really helping you with it right so our vision is to build a platform where in the platform you build real skill you face a lot of different situations scenarios challenges problems so that when you are going to face the same thing back at work you are already prepared for that and your proficiency level in the way address that problem area is very high so we think these two parts bringing skill profiling assessments learning plus the experiential part of what you are building in terms of scenario based situation based learning we think this is a game changer and this is the vision that we are really working on so the idea is to tell the company that just give your people to us and you can really see real skill building up in terms of the real capability on the field that's basically our vision yeah thank you for adding that i think that's very aligned with one of my biggest learnings around leadership is that leadership is pretty much like learning to bike so no matter how many books you read about biking unless you get on the bike and fall a few times get back up you won't get it in your body right you won't get it in your muscles in your skills and that is what ups you are actually communicating coming back to the challenges or how do you do that what are some of those roadblocks on the way yeah so i think entrepreneurship is a daily challenge so the journey never really ends yeah there's always a lot of stuff to do to bring things together put things together so we obviously faced a lot of different challenges over the last several years of work so one of the early challenges that i would have faced as a leader was to learn how to put a synergistic team together so they say that a great team is about not only about competence it's also about complementarity and it's also about chemistry a lot of times we just go by competence alone we don't look at complementarity we don't look at chemistry so how do you put these three c's together when you're making a team that becomes quite challenging and i think this was a point that it took a few years of running the business to figure out what we were really missing out the other big thing that we were missing out on was how do you put a team which does both left brain and right brain thinking so when i say left brain thinking i'm talking about things which are more analytical quantitative logical hard problem solving when you look at right brain we are talking about things which are more about how do you the empathy part the insight part connecting dots which are not necessarily connected linearly so that's the right brain kind of thinking the emotions and the empathy piece so you great products come when you bring both together both the left brain and the right brain yeah. now when we start in the early days because of our background is business school engineering all of us are very left brain people so our tools are also very similar they have great tools in terms of analytic and qualitative logic but in terms of 
evoking emotions in the user directly from the tool of the platform or in terms of the visual appeal, the user experience. We had a lot of challenges there. Right? But uh, after a few years, we were conscious of these gaps. So we started hiring a lot of people from other functions, good designers, animators, storyboard creators. So we started hiring a lot of people from those backgrounds and a behavioral specialists, etc. Today, the Paradigm team is a lot more diverse. So we have, even in a team of just 50 to 50 people, we have about eight or nine different functions. So each team is only maybe five to 10 members big, but the combined synergy of all these different functions makes a much more compelling outcome for the client. That was another challenge that we had to solve for and struggle our way through to figure out how to get the right team. I think so probably the two, two biggest challenges that are, like I said, the N number of challenges I can keep going on and on in terms of challenges. Yeah, yeah, I think it's very relevant what you shared about being left-brained thinkers and how that often comes in the way if you cannot be flexible, right? So can you share for yourself, given that background from being a technologist, from being in, in a B-school, how do you create that balance? How do you create that breathing space for yourself so that you can actually slow down and be empathetic and listen to not just what others are saying or feeling, but also what what is being triggered for you as in, in an emotional capacity? Yeah. Yeah, I think managing the leader's emotions becomes very critical, right? Because as a leader, many things are happening parallel. And many times today, we are in one Zoom call and then someone pings you some really, really bad news and it upsets you then and there. And now you are in two minds. Do I address what I'm trying to do right now with the person on screen or do I respond to that other person? There are pop-ups on your WhatsApp. There are all triggers coming from multiple directions. So it becomes quite difficult for a leader to stay balanced. And I think one must tell oneself to just not react quickly. So moving from being reactive to being responsive. So we're not saying that become very slow. You may you don't want to compromise in the speed of your response. At the same time, you don't want to be reactive. You want to be responsive. Secondly, you would want to already have thought through many different combinations and situations and challenges that might have occurred. Right. So that when they actually occur, you're already been prepared. Mm. So mind prepping yourself and then planning in a scenario A, scenario B, scenario C, how would you kind of react if these scenarios actually occur? I think that kind of a mental simulation is something that a leader has to keep doing all the time. So some of my learning. So a lot of decisions, I will just say that yes, okay, I heard point A, maybe another person has point B, another person has point C. You heard all the points. Now let's go to sleep. Let's come back tomorrow and then figure out what to do. Yeah. It's way different pros and cons. Let's look at it from left brain, right brain. So all different aggregates. And then take a final. And I've found many times this really improves the quality of decision making. I think a lot of times when we take decisions, we don't look at all the stakeholders or impact. Is it your feet on street? Is it your customer? Is it your shareholders? Is it some other party which is getting impacted? So be taking the time to think through and put yourself in all their shoes. Not many times, you see a lot of work that you do, you're never doing the work for yourself. Almost all the job that you're doing is for someone else. We are shooting this podcast for maybe your set of viewers out there. It's not for me. I you just can watch posters. It's a very simple example. So how do we develop that empathy for a lot of people out there, different stakeholders? How do we look at things from multiple lenses before we take a decision? So this is one side of it. The other side is still being able, keeping a decision velocity. 
because as a leader, you can't just sit on something and not take a decision. Right? A lot of decisions are going to bubble up to you. Many times you try and create frameworks, decision-making approaches, models, tell your team, this is the way to take a decision. So one way to look at a leader's role is say that maybe your job is not to take the decision. Hmm. Your job is to tell people how they need to think and what they need to evaluate to take the decision and empower them to make the decision and then help them review the decision quality. So that's one way of maybe reducing the load. But even with that, now, there are always going to be things which you haven't thought through already before which there's no template, there's no model, right? Yeah. Which are going to you. Yeah. How do you then make sure that you keep addressing those consistently and then provide responses to people below or people outside so that they can move on in life? Yeah, I think that's true for any entrepreneur's journey also. But as you said, what you're doing is anyways game-changing and you have plans which are very ambitious. So if you had a magic wand, which one ability or skill would you like to have either for yourself yeah. or the key members of your team? Yeah, I would just say replace me with an AI CEO and then I can just relax and enjoy. Okay. So I think maybe that will happen sooner than later. But let me ask you that since you mentioned that, how does relaxation and enjoyment, how is that right now for you? Is it very stressful? How does that balance play out for you right now? Yeah, I think some bit of stress is always good. If it's zero, that means there's no challenge in life. And then life becomes really boring. I think some bit of stress is always good. If it's zero, that means there's no challenge in life. And then life becomes really boring. So a bit of stress is always pretty good to keep you on your toes. But you need to pay attention to your different quadrants of your life, right? Whether it is the professional side, whether it is the fitness side, the family side, the friend side. So as long as you're able to pay a reasonable amount of attention to all these different quadrants. I think it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And I think maybe that day is not too far, right? Where AI can take over all the tedious or the difficult parts. And then as leaders, either we can like enjoy or relax or come in to take those like big critical purpose-driven decisions, which AI, AI or any technology cannot really make. Yeah. So I think the jury is still out, right? In terms of how this is going to evolve. It would be a great transformation for the better or it could be it could even lead to boomster situations right yeah we have all seen social media was seen as a very big positive from 2005 to almost in about 2013-14-15 but in the last few years the whole narrative has changed today social media is seen as very similar to other addictions that human beings have then it has to be increasingly regulations are going to increase in terms of managing social media addiction as well. So AI, very, very, we might all think in the beginning it's a great boon and then later feel that it's a terrible curse, right? So the jury is still out. Absolutely. Yes, I think only time can tell how that will unfold. But I think my best like prediction would be that AI takes care of a lot of left brain thinking kind of tasks and then human beings are more free to take care of more creative, more intuitive and more on a higher level, I think. In the short term, how that will play out, what jobs will be lost, what impact will be made, as you said, right? Yeah, yeah it can happen either way. Yeah, yeah so I think so now, human AI doing left brain and human beings doing the right brain was probably a narrative that was valid in last year, right? Now, with a lot of the generative AI tools, whether it's ChatGPT or DALI, there is definitely a shift in that, right? That AI can probably create better than human beings than most human beings, right? So a lot of your creative tools are also happening. I just saw today a demo of Adobe, the new Adobe Photoshop, right? Mm-hmm. Where 
you can select a part of a picture and say, you know what, put in a river flowing over here. Put in a signboard over here on the picture. You just type it out and Photoshop actually puts in that signboard for you, that river flowing or the mountain. It's crazy, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, some of those tools like Midjourney or Photoshop or even ChatGPT, yes, they have started to enroach into that right brain thinking and very creative. Yeah, and it's a black box, right? So we don't even know how actually. Yeah, so uh, without getting sidetracked into that, before we end, do you have any advice for any entrepreneur who is who is struggling, who is finding it difficult to deal with uh, all the overwhelm, all the demands, all the pressure that being a CEO, being a leader of like a mid-sized or large company brings with it? Yes, I would say as an entrepreneur, there are maybe, there, there are quite a few things that you need to look at relieve your own stress. There is no one formula or one way to look at life. The first piece is, you know, what's your aspiration, right? Are you going to run a, a small business which is profitable? Do you want to scale it up to a certain level? Do you want it to go really big? Having a pulse of that aspiration. And secondly, if you really want to go big, then finding the proposition, the market that has that kind of need and finding a proposition which is unique enough for a part of the market to come to you, right? And then adding enough value where you're able to make money of your slice of the market, right? So tying all these three, four things together, I think that becomes the first piece of being a good entrepreneur. And while it sounds very nice to say it and sounds fairly simple, but actually doing it in practice becomes quite challenging because for pretty much any proposition you think about, there are already like 100 companies out there which are doing it. Yeah. If you doubt me, just go and search on Google the exact keywords you used to to describe the company you want to create and it's already there. So that's one piece that having that clarity, that's number one. Number two is then putting together maybe the team that can execute on that clarity, right? Finding the right team becomes extremely important. So thinking that through that, like I said, the chemistry, the complementarity, the competence, knowing how what levels of each of these you need, putting that team together, right? That becomes super important. And articulating your purpose to that team. Mm. And then also another very important part is making sure that there's enough cash to fuel the whole thing. Yeah, cash is the oil, right? That helps run the engine. Yeah. If you don't have cash, then nothing else matters, really. So I think these are the key pillars that a successful entrepreneur really needs to have. So if I can align all these variables that we just talked about in the last three minutes, then you don't have stress so much as your stress comes when something is missing out of these seven or eight different key components. Right. Either your aspiration for yourself is not clear or you have an aspiration, but your market and your product and your differentiation are not into that. Or that is there, but there is no money in that market. You're not adding enough value, capture profitability. Or you don't have the right team in place. So you end up doing a lot of work that you don't want to do because you don't keep in place. So you are forced to do the job. Or yeah. you don't have cash in the bank. So most of your stress in terms of how do I pay the expenses, that becomes a challenge. So one of these factors are going to be creating stress and it probably might consume a lot of your time. So, and if you're spending that much time on the business, you may not have any time for anything else at all. And that creates a huge imbalance in your life. Yeah. As an entrepreneur, if you can put these pieces together, right? And if you can step back and see yourself, you know, running the business, not running in the business. 
I think that makes a big difference to your life. And that's the qualitative change that all entrepreneurs need to have. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that very pragmatic advice on those fundamental elements, which many times are not even on the horizon for for entrepreneurs or leaders because they are actually running in the business, right? And they don't have that big picture view. So thank you for adding both the qualitative and the quantitative elements to that. And if anybody who is listening, who wants to reach out to you, find out more about your services, what you do, what is the best way for them to do so? So I think they can always find me on LinkedIn. If they search for my name and my company name, it's very easy to connect on LinkedIn. Or they can always drop me a note at john.sharian at imperadine.com and I'll be happy to respond. Thank you. Thank you, John, for sharing everything that you shared and everything that you're up to. And before we end, I want to wish you all the best for everything that lies ahead for you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was a pleasure. That's it for this episode of Choosing Leadership with Sumit Gupta. I choose leadership every time I record this podcast and I invite you to do the same. I invite you to design a life of joy, meaning, pride and satisfaction, not just for yourself, but for everybody around you. If you got something out of this episode, would you share this episode on social media? And if you know somebody who would be a great guest, can you tag them on social media to let them know about the show? And if you are a leader who wants to acknowledge how far you have come and have big dreams for the future, please reach out to me to be a guest on this podcast. And I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. This is what I do most naturally, to lovingly and gently provoke you, to help you see your own light, to help you see what you are already capable of. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and it means a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to deployyourself.com and subscribe to my newsletter or follow me on LinkedIn. I want to thank everyone who contributed to making this show a reality and I want to thank you for listening. Always remember that you are enough, you are loved and you matter. This is Sumit. Until next time, keep choosing leadership.